0: We are in a war zone. The combatants, two roommates, both tech wizards. The battlefield, their kitchen. The younger of the two roommates wants a new fridge because their old one, well, it isn't keeping his ice cream from melting. The older of the roommates, who quite honestly is a bit of a grumpy jerk, doesn't see the value in buying a new fridge they can just fix the one that they have. But that's not good enough for the young roommate. He not only wants a new fridge, but he wants a smart one too. And then he sparks an all out war when a huge honking smart fridge arrives into their home.
1: Uh-oh, looks like you're almost out of beer.
0: The first thing the young roommate does is to engage the fridge's totally annoying voice commands.
1: Your yogurt will expire in two
0: And then the second thing he does is lock down the fridge's security with a 10-digit, alphanumeric, uncrackable password. The grumpy roommate? Well, he is furious. He hates the fridge. And what he hates even more is the fact that he can't figure out how to turn off the fridge's horrible voice.
1: Food stays great... When you refrigerate...
0: The fridge is so locked down Uh, that he can't uh, access the settings. You have to see the magic word. So he goes Uh, uh, with uh, the nuclear uh, option. uh, uh. He has his personal hacking computer unleash a brute force attack on the backdoor password of the fridge. It's an all-out hacking war, and one that the grumpy roommate intends to win. The next day, seemingly oblivious to the battle that's been waged overnight... The young roommate saunters over to the fridge. Hello, my cold friend, he says to the fridge, but nothing. Hello, he says again, slowly realizing that something is terribly wrong. And then it happens. Instead of reacting to his voice commands, the fridge instead chooses to mock him.
1: Go fork yourself.
0: And then an even ruder graphic. His fourteen thousand dollar fridge is now completely useless. He's lost the war, and his fridge.
1: Your eggs are frozen.
0: That scene is from the fourth season of the HBO show Silicon Valley, the most excellent comedy about tech startups. But my favorite part of that episode actually comes a little earlier in the show when Gilfoyle, the grumpy tech wizard first sees the smart fridge and says, this thing is addressing problems that don't exist. Which pretty well sums up my thoughts about the majority of IoT devices. Granted, there's a few I do use. I have a smart thermostat that I love and I have a smart alarm system in my home. But other than that, everything else in my house remains pretty dumb. So I'm pretty happy with the state of my home right now. But then recently someone turned me onto the idea of smart plugs. And if you've never seen one of these things, they're actually pretty cool. It's a small device that plugs into the wall and has a plug on the outside. So it really has the potential to turn whatever gets plugged into it into its own smart device. Want to control the lights in your house to turn on and off when you're not home to make it look like your home? This is a great solution. It's kind of a high-tech update to those old light timers that I used to have around my house. It just sort of becomes part of the security system. But even though it just looks like a plug and, and basically it just is, it's still technically an IoT device. And because of that, it still carries some risks, right? We're about to find out. Welcome to Hackable, an original podcast from McAfee.
2: This
1: computer is on the job around the clock in case of attack. Their principal target is you. The design is complete, but will it work?
3: Shake
0: hands with danger. I'm Jeff Siskin, and I'm joined as always with uh, our cybersecurity expert, Bruce Boom Boom Snell. Hello, Bruce. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. <laughs> we are talking today about IoT once mm-hmm. again. Yep. And uh, this is one of those things I didn't even really know was a thing, mm-hmm. but I am totally intrigued because I actually think I could use this in my life. It's a smart plug yeah do you do you have you encountered these uh these bad boys you know what I actually use them every year for Christmas
3: I have them really (laughs) yeah I just basically plug the Christmas trees into them and have that synced in with my my lighting timers for uh you know Apple HomeKit
0: and that's super
3: like they go on at seven in the morning and then turn off at uh, 11
0: at night And, and and just so if people are like me and don't know what these are and I certainly didn't know what these were uh before Starting this episode, Christmas trees, Christmas trees, (laughs) Christmas trees. I had a vague understanding of, but smart plugs. uh, Smart smart plugs are they look like little, uh, almost little bricks, Uh like like little plug bricks, where it it plugs into your wall, and then the whole thing is about an inch or a little bit less than an inch, and there's a plug on the outside, Mm -hmm. and I guess it runs as a conduit between your electrical socket and something you can plug into it, and it makes stupid things in your home smart or at least that's the idea,
3: right and the 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 the, i mean there's some real benefits to them um beyond just you know controlling when your christmas tree lights go on and off um you know i mean you can set it up for power savings you know maybe you've got a a floor lamp that's plugged in and then you you know it's not a smart lamp or you don't have a smart switch attached to it you could plug this you know plug it into this smart uh power outlet and then have it trigger, say, at 5 o'clock in the evening or whenever the sun goes down, that light comes on, and maybe it goes off in the morning when you leave for work, that
0: sort of thing. So there's a lot of benefits to them. So, Bruce, if you were to guess, Mm -hmm. and I know the answer to this, so I'm hoping that for a brief moment I'm smarter than you are, but if you were to wager a guess, what do you think was the first IoT device invented
3: for the home? Um, If I were to guess, um, let's spitball here.
0: Let's say a, a light bulb. Well, let me rephrase it to you. Maybe this is not a fair question. This was, it was a demo. What would be the stupidest device (laughs) to have connected to the internet? Um, A blender. (gasps) Close. You're very, very close. It is something in the kitchen, but it is not a blender. I don't want to tell you what it is. Instead, I want our story producer, Pedro Mendez, to tell you what it is. As Pedro Mendez brings us the story of the first ever connected IoT device.
4: Back in 1989, when most of us didn't even know there was such a thing as the internet, John Romkey was on the frontier of computer networking. He'd already helped put some of the first PCs on the net, but now he and his team wanted to put something else, something that wasn't a computer, on the internet.
1: I think we were thinking about kind of what's the most ridiculous thing you could connect to the internet. And uh, toasters are pretty ridiculous, they're kind of low-hanging fruit humor. You heard that right. The world's first IoT device was to be a toaster. The thing with a toaster is why would you even want to do this? Because toasters are so, such simple devices and you really shouldn't be turning your back on them for very long. So what's, you know, what's the actual benefit? But also there's like a, there's a whole fascinating array of, of issues that come up if you start connecting things like that. Because what if somebody in China can start messing around with your toaster? So yeah, not only did
4: John help create the first IoT device, he predicted the hacks we profile on this very podcast. Anyway, John and his team had a more fundamental issue to deal with, though, than security. How do you control a toaster? They managed to control the toaster through an outlet connected to an old-fashioned parallel port. The thing, kids, that used to connect all kinds of devices to computers, like printers. They could now turn the toaster on and even tell it how much to toast. Now it was time to show the world. The toaster was to debut at a major computer networking event. For John's company, it was their big chance, their
1: big break. There was only one problem. Union rules. It turned out, I didn't know this at the time, that the contract with the convention center said that we couldn't prepare food. Any food that had to be prepared had to be done by a union. John wasn't aware of this major
4: problem because his co-workers didn't want to stress him out. But still, without the ability
1: to toast their toast, their demo would be toast. They came to terms and they agreed that all we could do is take this one loaf of bread and toast it over and over and over again. And I think I thought at the time that, oh, we screwed up and we just brought one loaf of bread because it was getting kind of difficult, kind of not, uh, not wonderful after a little while but at least the demo happened. Toast was toasted. The
4: first IoT device was demoed to the world. History was made. And it
1: wasn't quite as dramatic as you might think. Really, the exciting, the most exciting part uh, may have been what didn't happen, which was nothing exploded, parallel port did not burn out, nothing, nothing went wrong.
4: <laughs> Still, despite how anticlimactic it might have been, even back then... John and his team knew they were on to something, something that was still mostly science fiction.
1: We definitely dreamed about smart homes. We dreamed about homes where, yeah, there's automation and things just kind of work for you. The lights know where you are and the lights adjust to your mood, which still doesn't really work. But we wanted uh, smart homes from the Jetsons. and We wanted wanted Earl Grey piping hot and uh, basically magic, right? Of course, some of us now have smart toasters in our homes. But some
4: of us, the lucky few, have something even better, something John and his team could never have imagined. That toaster that can toast the image of your selfie onto bread?
0: That's magic. So that was Pedro Mendez talking with John Romke, the granddaddy of IOT. I appreciate that story. Well, Bruce, we're going to pivot a little bit from Mm -hmm. smart toasters to smart plugs. And uh, Craig Young, who is the principal security researcher at Tripwire Vert, is promised to show me how one can hack a smart plug. And uh, I will see you on the other side, my friend. All right, good luck. We are here with Craig Young. Before we begin, we should mention that we are doing this hack remotely to replicate how it may be done in the real world. Uh, The only addition is that we, you and I, are chatting over video chat. So, Craig, you may notice on your video screen, our story producer, Pedro, may be popping in and out of the background of this frame because I felt like this hack may have some more physical aspects to it that may require more hands than I have. Plus... The only open outlet in uh, a studio that I work in is actually awkwardly far away from the mic setup. So so the first thing we want to do is get this working. So I have it plugged in. And Pedro, are you able to plug in uh, a lamp into it?
4: Uh yeah, you have a very nice uh is this a Tiffany lamp? Is that it's, what they call It's that? not a Tiffany
0: lamp. Uh if you could if you could just plug in just the oh. one behind my desk, that would be great. Okay, okay.
4: okay. We got a lot of stuff yeah, right here.
0: Smart Alex. Okay, it's plugged in. So it's, it's it's plugged in. How do we make this, you know, stupid lamp smarter?
2: Well, the first step is that you're going to need to go to the App Store or the Google Play Market and find the appropriate app that's marked on the box for the smart outlet.
0: Okay. And once we've done that, what, what do we do?
2: Well, in the initial out-of-box state, most of these devices are going to broadcast their own wireless network. And the app should actually instruct you to connect to that. And it will configure the device to connect back to your home network now.
0: And is the idea that I can now, if I have a lamp plugged into my smart plug, I can control my lamp through my phone?
2: Yeah, exactly. So perhaps you're too lazy to walk over to the light switch at the end of the day, so you can just use your phone to turn off the lamp in your bedroom.
0: I have it now downloaded on to my phone, and I see a big power button. So if I press this power button, my lamp which is now plugged in, will go on. Is that the the idea?
2: If everything worked, yep.
0: <laughs> okay. So let's I'm pressing the button.
2: <laughs> oh, it's on.
0: <laughs> it turned on. It okay. worked. Okay, it's the coolest thing. That's super cool. I don't know why I am constantly delighted uh by pressing something virtual and having something real happen in my home. I could have that happen a million times. Okay, let me see if I can turn it. I'm gonna press it again to turn it off. And it went off. Hold on. And if I just press it on and off and on and off, <laughs> it just it's I have a strobe light disco party happening in my recording studio. Sorry, Pedro. So, Craig, let's don your evil hacker hoodie. And what is what's phase two?
2: Well, so at a fundamental level, one of the problems that most of the devices in this space have is that they have an implicit trust towards anything that's trying to control it from your home network. So in other words, they're making the assumption that if somebody is actually using your Wi-Fi, that they should be authorized to interact with your devices on the Wi-Fi. And while that might make sense in some contexts, it doesn't actually hold true for good security. Because one of the problems here is that your web browser can actually make requests to different devices in your home network. And those devices, they're not going to have any way of knowing whether this request originated with somebody who is actively connected to the network or if it might be somebody that was just forging content through a malicious web page.
0: Just to be super transparent here, you are thousands of miles away from me right now. Could you control my lamp right now?
2: Yeah. If I could convince you to load a particular <laughs> web page that I've crafted, I could confidently make that like go on and off. What if I don't want to do that? Like that that feels like like I'm
0: not even that stupid. But how, how would you how would you do this in the real world? Is is there a a real world scenario where this attack uh, is a threat, short of you, you know, going one by one and saying, Hey buddy, will you will you check out my website?
2: Yeah. I mean, certainly we know that phishing emails, spam emails can be quite effective at getting people to click. But even beyond that, the internet thrives on advertising. So one of the easiest ways to try and get somebody to load some malicious web content would be to purchase advertising slots and put that content into the ads.
0: Really? So I could just be looking at a very legitimate website and the website itself is fine, but the ads it's serving through, you know, one of the many uh, ad distributors could be actually serving me malicious content. Absolutely. Oh my god. Okay. So so let's let's say for the purpose of this that you are evil and you're not. You seem like a nice guy. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're not. But you have decided to target me and and trick me into downloading a a certain website that will give you access. Sound good? Yep. So this would be as if it's targeted advertising or a phishing email, and if we click on this link. And, and what's happened?
2: Yeah, there Uh, we go. Jeff.
0: Okay. So the lamp, which is sitting beside Pedro is now going, uh, it's going on and off. Are you controlling that? Or is that just,
2: um, it's an automated process. So the payload that you were directed to is just telling the light to (laughs) turn on and off every half second.
0: Oh, that is so cool.
2: But it could just as easily be an interactive process where I would have a control panel here to turn it on and off manually, or if it was a dimmable smart outlet, change the dim settings.
0: Wow. So you can really control something physical in my house and do whatever you want with it. Is that, is that the result of all this?
2: Yeah. And this is actually just the tip of the iceberg on this, because right now I'm sending commands to the device as if I was using the app on your network. Okay. I can actually take it a step further because this particular smart outlet, it has some data processing vulnerabilities. Uh, Specifically, there's a particular type of command that I can send to it that when it processes it, it's going to start running code that I've supplied to the device. And after that happens, it means that I will actually have the ability to just start querying other devices on your network. Like if you have a Windows computer with file shares open, I might be able to start downloading those files or connecting to your router and hacking that to be able to extend my foothold into your home network.
0: So just by getting into my smart plug and by extension, my now smarter lamp, you're able to get into my whole
2: network? Potentially. So another thing that I could do potentially from here would be having the smart plug enumerate out the list of wireless uh, networks that it sees around it. And that data can be fed back into Google to give a precise geographic location.
0: Okay, so so from my smart plug, you're able to tell physically where I
2: am in the world? Yeah, so I'm able to run a command here and have it give me a Wi-Fi site survey. And if I just take that data and copy it over to my Google account, uh, Google has a location service where you can feed in a listing of wireless networks and their signal strengths, and it will actually triangulate a location. Um, so it looks like <laughs> is that where you are? <laughs> uh,
0: that is exactly where I am. That And that's, oh my god, So and what's interesting is that is way more precise. I've had other people do hacks that geolocate me, and it's always you know, it's never exactly uh, my house, it's always my neighbor's house or down the street. Um, that's pretty trippy.
2: Yeah, this this technology is really scary how precise it is. Um, When I had been experimenting in my house with some similar devices doing these kinds of things, I was actually able to reliably tell the difference between the location of a device, a smart home device in my kitchen versus in my basement.
0: Interesting. That's amazing.
2: It all starts with information and reconnaissance. If I was actually trying to be malicious and attack you, what I would possibly do would be to load an interpreter onto the smart plug and might get lucky and find that you haven't patched something and then start getting access into other devices in your home.
0: Oh, so so just so I understand it correctly, once you have this kind of access into this one device, this is really the thing that scares the heck out of me with all this IoT stuff. And I keep hearing about, but you may have been the first person to demo it for me, which is the weakest link in your system is potentially an open door
2: yeah that's the starting point and this would now enable me to carry out attacks that i wouldn't otherwise be able to target you through the web with uh, okay so we started out with um this example where you clicked a link and then all of a sudden i had access to turn on and off your smart outlet that might just seem like a nuisance but let's say somebody were to purchase up Super Bowl advertising and embed this into it, then you might have a situation where millions and millions of people are going to load this attack, and if even a small percentage of those have this vulnerable smart plug in their home, you could create serious problems on the power grid. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen as far as when five million uh, smart outlets turn on a lamp all at once and then turn it off. You could lead to brownouts, blackouts. So there are certainly safety concerns for the national security interests that involve these IoT devices and their security.
0: Wow. You I just my brain doesn't go there, but hearing you say it it makes total sense. Um do you know what Craig though we're we're on audio and I am always struggle with this show when we do these demos of how to make it acoustically interesting. And so we we tr- demoed this with a lamp which largely is silent. Before we wrap up with you, I'm wondering if there's some way I must, I'm gonna have something in my house uh, that makes noise just so we can you know, make it more exciting for the podcast. If you can hang out for a sec, maybe I will grab my, my blender from downstairs and we can maybe hook that up to the smart plug and just see you control it.
2: Maybe yes, turn it on and good. off.
0: Does that work? Okay, can you hang on one sec? Sure. All right, so Pedro, can I yeah. give this to you to plug in? Okay, I don't, I
4: don't see what that has to do with my job. But
0: well, if you can, just because I don't want to, I don't want it near the gear. Okay. uh, Okay. Just because I'll be on my mic, and I just don't know if I want. Oh. We're gonna use this other mic to record the blender. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you can just get a mic near the blender and then. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. So Pedro is going to, uh, because I will be chatting with you and operating this mic. Pedro is going to be operating the blender. Is it? So is it possible to run the attack where we sort of turn on and off and on and off again?
2: Yeah, if you go ahead and use the blinky link is what I had titled it.
0: Okay, everything everything good, Pedro? You have Yep,
2: so plugged in. You should see it pretty soon. Okay. <laughs> it's it's
4: wor- Jeff! Jeff, could you turn it? You have to, you need to turn it! There's no lid on the blender! Could you turn it
0: off? How do you turn it off?
4: Oh my god, there's stuff you can un- Is this a smoothie? You
0: can unplug it. Unplug it's it. Kind of, just unplug it? Unplug it. Okay,
4: I'm gonna try to unplug it. Okay, don't put your hand in. Oh Oh my
0: God. Oh, it's a mess.
4: Look, it's still clicking
0: away. (laughs) The plug is clicking (laughs) away. Um, I'm sorry. I don't get paid enough for this. That was awesome. Um, Craig, thank you
2: so much. I totally appreciate this. Yeah, anytime. Thank you for your time.
0: I'm back with Bruce Snell, cybersecurity expert. And Bruce, before we debrief what just happened... I want to just take a moment to super briefly recommend a podcast I'm listening to these days that I think people will really like. Uh It's called Endless Thread, and it's from WBUR, which is the public radio station in Boston, and Reddit, the online collector of everything. Uh And what's cool with it is that it uses the power and reach of Reddit to find the stories for the show, and like Reddit itself, ends up in a bunch of surprising and totally weird places. Thanks to the power of the internet. A couple examples of stories I like. Story of Ken Bones, fifteen minutes of fame. Do you remember Ken Bone, that guy who showed up in that bright red sweater to the presidential debate? <laughs> they tell his story um, as well. They analyzed why there are so many conspiracy stories out there about the store mattress firm. Right. It's um. It's definitely a show for Reddit connoisseurs as well. People that just exist in the world and are curious. Uh, again, it's called the Endless Thread Podcast, and I highly recommend it. Excellent. Now let's go back to Craig for a moment and the smart plug hack. So Craig. When what seemed fairly simple was able to hack the smart plug that was in my home, uh-huh. turn my various devices, including the blender, which I am still cleaning up the mess. And I uh, apologize <laughs> to Pedro. Pedro, if you're oh, listening. Oh, good old Pedro. I'm sorry that uh, I just, I wanted the sound of the blender. <laughs> he was able to do that, but but more damning, he was able to get into my network. And with a little bit more time and a little bit more malice, could have done some real damage, right? And and that is certainly alarming. And again, I'm learning this lesson. I should just learn the lesson now. Anything connected to the internet is potentially a computer, And, right. and should be protected. And I guess a what looks like a socket is is equally vulnerable. Yeah, is, I, is that right? So I mean, pretty much anything can be a foothold or
3: you know, kind of a. Um... A backdoor into your network. Okay. Um, you know, the smart plug is a really good example because on the surface it looks like a pretty, you know, pretty harmless thing. You know, you think about okay, what's the worst that somebody's going to do? Are they going to you know turn my blender on and off and yeah, spray smoothie everywhere, um, or are they going to you know are they going to get in and actually start doing something nasty? Um, okay. I know the 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 McAfee um, Advanced Threat Research team had done some research on that exact uh, same switch, where they actually used it and were running commands on the device to find a local streaming stick and you know start playing Friday this this the fabulous song. Uh, it's interesting because you can log in as if you're logging into a commuter- computer remotely. You get a you get a nice little shell. Um, you can send commands, um, you know, once you once you've connected into it. So
0: turning it on and off is really just kind of the the tip of the iceberg. So these these devices, this device in particular, they're not that expensive, and it seems to have a functionality that I could actually see using in my life. Right, you know, turning on lights uh, remotely, you know, setting a sort of timer for things. Mm-hmm. That seems like that's a helpful thing. So if something, if I want something like that in my life. And I think I do. Uh What are the things that I can do to protect myself?
3: Well, I mean, definitely don't don't go the set it and forget it route. Okay, Um, you know, make sure that you pay attention to the app. Uh, Maybe turn on notifications because a lot of times these smart devices will give you a little pop up if there is a new update, right? A, A new firmware update or something for the device itself. So just like you are regularly, and I know you are regularly updating your computer, your laptop, OS, and all of your applications. Of course, Um, I definitely am. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Updating, at least updating your mobile device.
0: Yes. Well, yes. Yeah. Okay. I I do. You know, whenever that notification pops up, I actually hear your voice in my head. You should do that right now. But then it's like, oh, then my phone's going to be out of offline for an hour. So so. I'll do it tomorrow. And then, yeah, anyway. Anyway, but after this session, I will definitely update them all yeah for sure. so
3: and, and unfortunately this kind of lumps you know adds another thing into the the big pile of devices that you need to make sure you're updating okay so
0: update update devices what else
3: and of course you know as you're setting up the device the first time you know if it has remote functionality which you know which is probably why you're buying the device in the first place um as you're setting it up make sure that you set a good password um you know don't use don't reuse the password that you've used for you know all of the other smart devices on your home yeah use a use a complex password again i always recommend you know having a a password manager tool of some sort uh, yep. so that you you know it'll generate you a nice complex password and then you can it'll store it for you so you never have to remember it okay and then you know take a look at your and this is kind of the big one but take a look at your router security settings okay um you know as you i know most people set up the router um, you set it up, you set a good password, and then you kind of forget it, right? Yes. Um, which, to be fair, I mean, if it's working, you know, kind of the old yes. adage, if, yes. it, if it ain't <laughs> broke, don't fix it. But, you know, start, start getting yourself familiar with the security functionality of your router, right? Just log in. Um, odds are there's a security tab somewhere in the interface. Um, take a look at that and see what sort of functionality is available. Um, oh, okay. Most devices have, you know, actually a lot of uh, routers for, you know, for the past few years have had really good security. But the problem has been that it's been somewhat arcane, you know, when it comes to actually setting it and knowing how to go through and do configuration changes. Um, but there are, you know, in the past few years, there have been more manufacturers that have started realizing that people are concerned about security and start giving better access to security tools on their routers. So take a look and maybe, you know, maybe your router is one of those that has, you know, um, improved security functionality.
0: Okay. So I guess the, just to repeat back, I guess the big thing, the big takeaway Mm -hmm. uh, is just to get curious.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Is, is,
0: you know, pay attention to things like the app when you're setting it up, don't just set it and forget it. And that also goes to your router, Mm -hmm. you know, I set mine up probably a year and a half, two years ago, and I definitely haven't checked out what the settings are since. Um, But that would not be a bad idea just to go in to see whether there's improved security settings or just security settings. I didn't bother checking out the first time I did. Right, right. Uh, And as always, make your passwords good. Yes. Classic. Classic (laughs) Bruce Snell. And Uh, update. And update. And update your firmware. And so… There's a lot here, a lot about security settings. Uh, We will put up stuff at our website, hackablepodcast.com, and people can check that all out. Two announcements, though. Mm -hmm. The first announcement is we have just crossed a major podcasting threshold for Hackable where we just got, as we were recording this, in fact, we just got our two millionth Download. That's fantastic. Of the series, which is fantastic. So, if you've downloaded one episode of Hackable, or perhaps uh, you've set some kind of bot to download two million, (laughs) we thank thank you regardless. Uh, And don't set a bot because it ruins our statistics. (laughs) then Then we, you know, we like to feel like we've earned these two million. So that is awesome. Thank you for listening. We totally, totally appreciate that. People do listen and tweet out and say nice things about it and tell their friends. It really helps the show uh, and just makes us feel good. Yeah, so I, thank I, you. I love getting the the, the tweets, and, you know, the online
3: conversations that that happen from as a result of the Packable co- podcast. So it's yes. fun. And, uh, keep it coming.
0: Uh, and uh, the other news is that this is the final episode of uh, of the season. But we will be back and we will be back in the spring with all new episodes of Hackable. So please uh, stay subscribed. If you're a new listener to the show, we got lots in the back catalog. So so that'll keep you busy between now and then. And if you're a listener since episode one. Thank you. And if you follow either Bruce and I or or McAfee on Twitter, we will tweet uh, when the new episodes are out. This has been Hackable, an original podcast from McAfee. Bruce Snell, until next season, my friend.
3: Thank you, Jeff. Pleasure as always. Thank Thank you.